This is Omo. Welcome everybody to Omo. Hello. This is Rosie Deloach. This is Christopher Jacoby. <laughs> yeah, our show is about the romance and reality of violin making. But not always just violin making. I mean, we we share the word luthier, luthier, uh, with I mean, people who work on lutes, right? No, no, it's it's gone past that. Do you work on lutes, Rosie? Uh, not lately, no. I worked on a lute once. It was terrible. <laughs> okay. I uh, <laughs> I like, yeah, I like ouds. They got the bent neck. You know, I got neck problems. Uh, but uh, we we're talking today luthier versus luthier. Um, other people in the same field as us who are focused on other things, who are focused on guitars, who are focused on uh, other stringed instruments. And wondering about something which I find to be rampant, um, which is almost a, a classist ideology about who is worthy of that word luthier because of, yeah, the, the sorts of instruments that go across their bench. Sure, sure. Um, I think we should probably talk to our new friend, Bo Hannum. What do you think? I would like that. Let's talk to him. So, Bo, Bo, where are you at, man? Good morning. I'm uh, in Grand Junction, Colorado. Nice. From Sydney, Australia. Welcome. Or via Sydney, Australia. <laughs> and you you make guitars and ukuleles and whoopee in Grand Junction, I assume? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I started out making guitars, just guitars, and jalet guitars in Sydney. And then I moved over here with a whole bunch of ukulele orders and uh, I've been kind of knocking those orders out since I got here in about 2013. So I kind of became a ukulele maker. It's about 80% ukes at the moment. Um, My but, goodness. Uh, you know, I pretty much just order, oh, make what people order. And I, I've only had time to make one thing that wasn't an order. Um, yeah, um, well, I've met, so I don't, people like your stuff is what you're saying. Yeah. I've been backed up for about two or three years in orders and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's a nice place to be. In. Yeah. It, it's good and bad. It's kind of like a dark cloud that rains gold. Like it's dark and <laughs> it's dark and ominous, but it's like nice cause it feeds you. Um, but, but it's. Sure. Yeah, the, the trouble with it's a little. I guess it's a little bit different, and I, I'm not certain about this. I guess it's a bit different in the classical making world where there's not much, um, like customization, like inlays and stuff that that happens with guitars. So, yeah. pretty much everything I've built since being in America since like 2013, I've not done the same thing twice. Every every instrument looks different, and I can. Yeah, I can look at an That's instrument, hard. like picture of it and go, oh, that guy or that person got that instrument. Oh, wow. And 
So they're highly individual. You're not you're not doing an assembly yeah, line. Absolutely, which is you know a bit. Yeah. That's why it I'm works bold. so damn good, man. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're yeah. pulling the hairs yeah, out one by one. Constantly going back to the order form and looking at stuff as um, it is time consuming and it makes the annual output a lot smaller. I could probably build five, maybe ten more if I wasn't doing that. If I was just kind of grabbing whatever I wanted um, instead of looking at. I've I've had a few hairy uh, um, customized orders that I have wished and still wish that I would have just handed the deposit <laughs> yeah. back because of it's when it's when it's superficial when it's it's aesthetic mm. that's different but when it's about the mm. the the form of the instrument and when I'm arguing with someone about or their mm. their choice of wood, if it's not chosen from my own stock. When I'm arguing with someone about how the instruments can perform in the end because of their preferences, um, I mean, 130, 140 instruments in, I'm really hoping to get to the place where, like Sam Zygmuntovich, uh, fantastic violin maker, you guys are probably familiar with him out there listening. Mm-hmm. Um, he just doesn't take custom orders anymore he makes what he makes and uh if you're on his waiting list you get a crack at it and you should probably take mm-hmm. it when you get a crack at it mm-hmm. very I good mean, how's that a, sound a very famous yeah. probably the most famous ukulele maker who lives on the big island his name's chuck moore and he recently just had a heart attack and he uh he kind of had a life mm. change or professionally as well as sort of personally but he he dumped all of mm-hmm. his orders and and is just making stuff for himself, or not for himself, but uh, as what he wants to do, you know, which is uh, mm-hmm. probably, yeah, he's, he's mm-hmm. use, you know, <laughs> I think Jeez. the top one sold for 21 grand, mm-hmm. which is Australian <laughs> <laughs> um, You know, we're, we're talking huge yeah. inlays all up and down the headstock and fingerboard. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they're incredible things. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I found when I get an order and the customer says, I know your work, I trust your aesthetic, just do what you want. I get more creative and I have more fun doing it. And I usually chuck in a few freebies, just, you know, that might be an end graft. Um, I know what an end graft is. You're, you're looking down like your a, nose at, at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, tell tell me like, what a uh, craft is. I guess the area <laughs> where it, most guitars get a, a jack plugged it's into. It's right by the butthole like of the sort guitar. Sort of a butt. Yes. Yeah, the butt. Okay. The butt. The butt. It's the butt. Yeah, they okay. sort of Got join it. up all the uh, <laughs> all the bindings and stuff. And that, you know, that area and the rosette and the headstock are kind of the three most you used places where you can... You can, yeah, it's kind of like the tie for the businessman mm-hmm. or bow tie if you're a <laughs> which I'm guys. not. Um, and sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never worn a bow tie, but I should because my so name you is should bow. come up with a ridiculous um, tie and call it the yeah. bow tie oh, and just perfect. slap people if they don't um. like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bo Brummel <laughs> came up with the pants, mm. like the trousers. Um, so I have a long line yeah. of uh. Of, uh <laughs> in my name 
Hmm. <laughs> what do you what do you think? Uh, and hmm. you've worked with uh, the very talented, sweet dude that is uh, Chris Dungey, who's a cello maker who lives near you. What what do you feel like yeah. you have in common with him? Do you feel like the way that you guys produce and put instruments out um, separates you or brings you together? Um, yeah, so before I met Chris, who lives about 10 minutes drive away from me, I didn't have any knowledge or, or relationship or friends with people in the classical instrument making world. Um, although I always admired the, the, the form and uh, the aesthetic of a violin and, mm -hmm. and the other instruments like that, which is a simple way of saying, you know, mm -hmm all the instruments that look like a violin, like cello, viola, double bass, just bigger. Um, and then when I met Chris, it was unexpectedly exciting and amazing because we, even though we were, the instruments are, are very different. Uh, we, it was just two guys yeah. talking about wood and luthery. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, and that also goes back to when I left Australia, when I was making primarily guitars, acoustic guitars. When I got to America, I became influenced with the Ukes and looking at their bracing. So I went to classical guitars and I was looking at classical guitars and, you know, classical guitars are about as twice mm -hmm. as big roughly as a Uke. And the all the, the top thicknesses and stuff are, and the braces are about the same size. So I'm like, well if a uke is half or maybe a third the scale length and string tension of a classical i can go a bit thinner and so it uh and i recently got an order for an electric guitar which cool. my first electric and uh so i'm looking at all that and i've just been reading a few books on that and that's been really interesting as well so i realized that like you said before about um you know turning your nose down at uh, other types of instruments i in the last sort of five years i've been like i've done a complete turnaround i, I look at every instrument because i always get some new and, and amazing information from yeah. from any musical instrument and not just that just you know architecture or um like a i was looking at uh, the rolls royce website the other day looking at their warrant like <laughs> i'm going off on tangents here but <laughs> I was I was looking That's at okay. uh, go for it musical instrument warranty you know a musical instrument is you know very thin wood that can be susceptible to mm -hmm. they're like kind of a yeah. baby just born they're just susceptible to everything and then I was looking at Rolls-Royce and their warranty and they're made of obviously metal and um, maybe the dashboard is wood on the high end ones but you know they're the height of yeah, perfection yeah. really and uh their warranty is four years <laughs> and i'm like why why am i giving lifetime warranty yeah. to this thing that can snap in half if you'd look at it sideways when uh when the uh the, the best engineered <laughs> thing in the world or you know the poster boy of the best engineered thing in the world is only getting four years yeah so it's uh it's amazing where you get mm. skipping four years yeah i i give warranty I give warranty for entropy, you know, for things which are entropic, mm -hmm. which are inevitable. 
but uh there especially now that i've moved to the east coast by the ocean the it's a cauldron of humidity changes and yeah. just someone not watching the mm-hmm. fact that the window was open mm-hmm. through two changes in weather can burst an instrument under tension and I, i've gotten very very protective of uh of my own time and money that way because it's people don't mean to be abusive of your time and money with warranty issues they just want to have an instrument that works but they will eat you alive if if you give them enough rope that oh yeah everything's covered Mm. yeah that's Mm -hmm. kind of what i where i'm at now so i i changed my order form to Four years, I think, or maybe five years. I was more generous than Rolls Royce. Heartless bastard. Yeah. <laughs> long as as long as the Rolls Royce is covered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, my on my order form it says I take my. I felt I had to explain myself because all other luthiers, well, guitar makers say limited lifetime warranty, which is the lifetime of the original owner, and that's mm. a long freaking mm. time. and if they if they move from hawaii to arizona your your instrument's gonna die pretty much uh, (laughs) yeah and so i said on my order form um i take my warranty terms from from rolls royce the the height of engineering perfection you're gonna get sued Um, yeah maybe i maybe i'll just put rr and i I, if they (laughs) complain i'll say it's rob roy or some some Scottish uh, <laughs> Luthier. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's yeah. interesting. What, you know, I don't know who your primary listeners are, if they're builders or players or something, but. Um... Longshoremen. <laughs> mostly. Um, mostly longshoremen. Yeah, it's, uh, the more influences you have, uh, the better uh, guitar maker or instrument maker you'll be. Quite mm-hmm. so. Yeah. So I. I had a, a a guy tell me who's a guitar maker and repair person. He's once tried to build a violin and his he lost a friend over it because <laughs> they thought you had no right <gasps> trying to construct a violin. His friend is such a yeah. dick. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> not he wasn't a real friend. I yeah, guess. What about in the classical world? It's like a double bass maker. The the peasant and the the Mm. prince is the violin maker or yeah that's accurate bunch of cowboys (laughs) messing with bases (laughs) you know blowing their noses on their sleeves and drinking pbr (laughs) there's Mm. there's definitely a uh well there's a spectrum kind of of how much time you spend on client interaction and how Mm -hmm. much time you spend at the bench producing mm. and personality wise in that spectrum. If you're somebody who doesn't want that interaction where you go to eat dinner at your client's house and discuss their hopes and dreams and, and such, then you're likely to be a more gruff uh, withdrawn person. And then the, the folks that are all about the romance instead of the reality, perhaps <laughs> touching back on that thing, Rosie, nod, nod, <laughs> wink, wink, um, that are willing to, in order to get full retail price for an order to have all of that time nurturing the client relationship are more likely to be 
more florid and uh, mm-hmm. full of their their own romance. Mm. I, I... <laughs> yeah, I, I always uh, <laughs> it's always a tightrope between dispelling internet myths about you know was this wood cut down by a virgin at midnight during a full moon? I heard about this this wood called the tree the tree can yeah can you tell us about the the tree (laughs) uh yeah from what i can recall i've used it um well i made a guitar from it for a friend of mine jim and uh did did you have to like give them blue blood in order to get a set (laughs) no it's it's ultra rare, but you can get it any day. Of the week. <laughs> so what's... it's not it's not really rare, but it, it will be rare once we use all so the. So what's wood, the what's but, the um... background about the tree? It's it's one giant mahogany tree. I forget where it was cut down. Maybe maybe Honduras or Belize. But it's like forget, bees wing quilted but... figured mahogany. Uh, sapwood to heartwood yeah, the only yeah. one we know of and yeah it's a an extraordinarily beautiful tree well ex- the wood cut from it mm. is beautiful and it ranges from kind of light kind of quilty almost figure to um it doesn't really exhibit like violin like figure okay. not that i've seen but it, it has this tortoiseshell sort of uh figure and the the highest sets I've seen for sale have been five thousand dollars mm-hmm. a guitar set, and uh, the set I bent, I think it was about fifteen hundred. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like the full on tortoiseshell; it was kind of somewhere in the middle. It's still beautiful and very uh, iconic, and obviously the tree. Apparently, Truman Capote's. Um, wait, I think I'm making that up. Go for it. That was. I think I think Truman Capote's bar in on his yacht was made of Brazilian rosewood, which is different, but um, still but cool. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, but still cool. And he ripped it out to replace it with some eighties or you know seventies stuff. Mm. But the other thing, um, apparently, George Lucas's office or or some part of his um, Skywalker ranch is covered really? in the tree. So the so the I, I lived out in that area after high school for a while in uh, in San Geronimo Valley, north of San Francisco, and lots of my friends' families worked for George Lucas, and we ran around cooking <laughs> vegetables um, in uh, <laughs> in Roy's Redwoods, where the mm-hmm. the Miwok Indians were, and that's where the Ewoks came from. So we would we would run around, yeah, pretending that we were in the movie. The tree. Oh, really? Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Do you think that some of the difference in perception between violin makers and guitar makers is about the availability of our resources? That violin mm-hmm. makers have so much rarer wood, and obviously you're working mm-hmm. with high-end stuff, but that uh, guitar makers can just order everything, every step of the process from LMI or somewhere else? Hmm. Um... I'm not sure how much steel string makers and nuke makers or anyone but 
violin makers kind of think about violin makers um, <laughs> or and i mean classical makers just just from an ordering point of view i've i have noticed uh like on the moonwood place that i was ordering from yesterday i i looked at the violin sets and the, the cello sets um but i i'm not sure my perception which is probably wrong is that everyone other than the classical makers use rare wood and classical makers don't because i don't consider maple rare mm-hmm. um nor do i consider european or you know german spruce rare mm-hmm. uh, you know definitely you know old very seasoned uh, tops would be more rare but um not not necessarily just you know there's always someone you can buy an old set of wood off mm-hmm. if you've got the money mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you know i could buy an old set of brazilian rosewood um like the the very best old like cut down in maybe the 50s or something mm-hmm. brazilian rosewood but i might have to fork out you know two or three thousand dollars for it mm-hmm. um where i can buy a stump wood set for like 500 or something yeah stump wood i like the stump wood but the getting back to the wood thing the since the CITES uh, embargo, is that the right word? Sure. Um, the CITES sort of uh, implementation or palpable of the of the Rosewoods. So there's been a much more, um, you're seeing a lot more maple and particularly bird's eye maple guitars being produced and also other woods, newer, inverted commas, newer woods like Wengi and walnut and stuff like that just to bypass the problem of you know how do i get this wait wait like like what wengi what is that wengi um (laughs) i think it's from south oh no i i should have done all my research (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's got it it. (laughs) it's either from africa or south america and it uh yeah, it just taps very nicely. It, it, the splinters are very painful and and common, <laughs> um, but it, it is a nice set of wood, and it's also very cheap. Like like uh, it's as cheap as a domestic wood like walnut or maple. Um, hmm. Oh, um, yeah. how much do you? Are you a maker, by the way, Ruth? I am going to be. I have a shop, a violin shop, and I do restoration work. And 2020 is oh, okay. my year. I'm starting to, like, I've got uh, wood on the way to carve my first scroll. And uh, Chris nice. is sending me some schematics I'm about to pour over. So I'm getting Don't there. pour things on my schematics. Yeah. Just lots yeah. of coffee all over it. <laughs> yeah. The dog ate my schematics. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Uh, so how much do you feel like you have to rely on mystique and showmanship as part of like selling your instruments i'm a, a little bit of a grumpy man oh, okay. in that i you know if if people talk about dovetails or boltons yeah. necks i'm talking about um there's no sound difference uh-huh. um and a bolt-on neck has been around for hundreds mm-hmm. of years already hey strad and, put three nails know, through the the upper block into yeah. the the neck why why mess with it yeah. I I don't understand how that holds. Like a nail has no kind of holding power in that direction, like a screw. Ah, these were these were clipped, oh. uh, 
uh, conical nails. So they usually had three or four facets. And uh. I put a, a tool chest together once with blacksmith nails like that and needed to take it apart yeah. to fix something. And really? it did not wow. get fixed. It would, it would, so they were just apart. like a, like a pyramid, like a, a really long pyramid almost. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. Did they have barbs on them, like yeah. a fish hook or something? Or? No, but but because it's such high carbon, uh, they do compress the the well, like a nail would too. But an aluminum nail, a steel nail, they they seem to really join in a way that uh. they won't come apart. But like if if you go to and there's a number of of them in other places, but if you go to the National Music Museum in South Dakota and see the Harrison Stradivari, which has the original neck in, but it's been modernized. There are these three beautiful little rust spots on the outside oh, no. of the neck heel where it has eaten no. all the way through, you know, an inch and a half of, of maple over the last 300 years. The hide glue thing I'm, I'm probably on board with, but, I, but not, not so much that I use it all the time. I, I use it to glue mm-hmm. bridges on and it, has, um, it does have mm-hmm. uh, properties that tight bond or epoxy don't have. That's a weird. That's a weird phrase for a violin person to hear. Gluing the bridge on. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I know it's legit, but <laughs> um. I think the great uh, benefit of hide glue, and and of course at different gram strength, it is as strong as almost anything else. Is that your instruments last longer because it releases when there's trauma. Mm. It must be fixed. But the kind of the point is to have processes that are reversible. And that's really nice for, uh, I mean, without a truss rod, putting the neck in with hide glue means that with a little patience and a pot of coffee, if things go funny, um, if the, the heel wood really compresses on me and the geometry comes down completely, I can disassemble the instrument and put it back together Um correctly without damaging yeah. its value yeah the i i usually glue on my fingerboards with epoxy just because you know the neck is longer than i don't know how much longer like a maybe a third longer at least or um mm-hmm. twice as much it's about yeah. how you use it though <laughs> it's about how you use the neck. um but it's just because of the water content of um hide glue and type bond it can cause a little bit of warping but having said that that's never happened to me yeah. in like the 10 years previous to not using mm. epoxy so i kind of you know trying to fix a problem that didn't exist for me <laughs> Bo, if you were constructing mm-hmm. your own personal origin story about how you became a maker what, what would that story be jeez <laughs> um do you want me to go down the marvel sort of yeah like, yeah yeah batman thing? I was yes. bitten by a ukulele. The no, day uh, my yeah, father I was going to say I was a, I was a billionaire brat, Ooh, and uh, I love it. And <laughs> then a psychopath um, murdered everyone I knew, uh, and then I inherited um, my castle, and, and for some reason I wasn't happy. Um, <laughs> and I thought, how come? Because yes, all your I thought, friends how were can there. I? Can I lose money? I can either buy a, buy a, uh, <laughs> buy, an, <laughs> buy, buy like American Airways or become a luthier. 
There you go. You know, Buddy but, talks uh, about Marvel a lot. I mean, yeah. I, think, I think this <laughs> oh is a gosh. thing. Um, I love it. And I, I, you know, this is not known mm-hmm. outside my immediate family, but I do wear a cape in the workshop. And my underpants on the outside. <laughs> and you wear a special mask. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh-huh. um, you gotta watch out with the power tools and the cape combo. Yeah. It can get hairy. Yeah. <laughs> it's kinda like <laughs> if your cape gets ripped off, it's kinda like, you know, the the thing you wear in hospital with that doesn't have a back on it. And your butt just hangs out. Yeah, it's like my secret's out. Yeah. <laughs> that that mm. that tattoo of a butterfly I got on my lower back is coming back to haunt me. <laughs> Do you have a butterfly tramp stamp, Bohannon? <laughs> I don't. I Dang. I did travel for like three or four months in Thailand and never got one. So I mean, I don't know how that's possible. There's still time, buddy. Yeah, time. I did get a henna yeah. tattoo on my arm in in. Uh, india but that lasted that's a good tattoo it lasts like 10 days or so and uh what's on your bench right this minute um i've got well interesting for you or uh your (laughs) for your people to hear i've got i've got two (laughs) two pernambuco baritone ukes and Pernambuco is what you guys make cool. your bows out of. You're wasting bow wood. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what, what stage are you in right now? Um, I'm probably going to, I glued all the tops on yesterday and I'll probably um, bind them today. <clears throat> and, uh, what? and then I've got okay. two, two ukes that I'm spraying, another uke mm-hmm. that I'm about to spray. And another, um, probably another five that are in various states of um, making. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, they're all different things and it's hard to figure out who gets first priority. Normally it's the person who put in the order first, but sometimes it's just the workflow dictates. Mm -hmm. The thing you can bear to work on that day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the... those Pernambuco baritones, they they're getting mm. Pernambuco necks as well, and it's uh, man, oh that stuff's hard to sand and carve and bandsaw. It's full on wood. Oh, you have to you have to just scrape it. Yeah, everything has to be super high. Like it's it's easier to shape Pernambuco or truly nice ebony with a card scraper than it is with a rasp. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's um, it's painful wood it gives me a reaction as well kind of get a headache and sinus and stuff so i've got an ebony allergy that's been building in you know like alcoholism in uh (laughs) (laughs) for for 20 years now so that now i get i get nosebleeds and i know lots of makers that that get the same thing i do like that it turns your hands purple even though it's orange (laughs) yeah that's that's like that's magical it's fun yeah it's uh (laughs) It's an interesting wood. It taps better than my any of my Brazilian sets, which I've got about forty of. Um, mm. Yeah, it's incredible wood. It's mm. very low, very deep, and long sustain. Whether the mm-hmm. yeah, that can be a really good thing 
as long as there's enough tension on the strings and the top to sort of drive such a thing. But once it gets going, I think it's going to sound It's going to be loud, man. Those are going to be loud instruments. Hope so. Yeah, one's got a torrified Sitka top and one's got a... uh, an ancient Sitka spruce top. You love that and fancy wood. Fancy? Yeah. Yeah, the uke top's mm-hmm. like 200 bucks from Alaska. And it's this, I don't know if you probably might not know about it, but it's it basically it's like Sitka. Looking down your nose at us again, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> uh, it's, it's only a new, like somebody dredged up a, I don't know, 15 to like 20. Like a bog spruce? Yeah, 20,000 year old spruce tree and it's it's all gray and i think the gray it, it sounds basically like normal mm-hmm. sitka but it's just you know that story which ties in a little bit to that myth i thing, agree with but, that uh, yeah you know using twenty thousand year old wood is pretty cool yeah yeah cool. there's also ancient cool. cowrie which is from new zealand mm-hmm. new zealand and uh hey, I- I'm dying to use some cowrie for cello back. Mm. I know it's technically a softwood, but uh, it's the same way that willow or poplar um, is a hardwood ostensibly, but it has the same characteristics and the same carvability, the, the stuff I played with as a, as really good sounding poplar that you have to leave quite thick um, in order to make work. Hmm. Yeah. And there's uh, our friend Peter um, made a quartet of instruments um, out of uh, King Billy Pine on top as well. So those Oz Woods, they're they're getting out there. Hmm. Yeah, it's, there's there's a plenty. If you need a name mm. to buy that from, mm. I know a guy. <laughs> cowrie guy. You've got a cowrie guy. <laughs> yeah. Chris, do we do we cover? He's quite everything? good. <laughs> Unless you want to ask the the last one, maybe. Um, I would. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's your website and contact info? And uh, for all your... can I have a free guitar? <laughs> My band's going on tour, and it will be great exposure for you, Bo. <laughs> My wife and I were talking about that last night with um, travel bloggers or vloggers. Yeah. It's like, can I get a free hotel room tonight, and I'll blog the hell out of your hotel i'm an influencer Um, and this is good exposure for you yeah Yeah, she was saying that some places put up signs you know on their website or wherever saying no no bloggers um no influencing no no influencing yeah yeah i've i i politely slash rudely tell such email people to go do things Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but my my website is bohannam.com no bohannamguitars.com and that's b b e a u h a n n a m guitars yeah and I th- yeah if you just type in that my facebook and instagram will probably come up as well probably. and uh yeah i uh my website like a lot of websites kind of just stays the same and daily facebook pictures you know get uploaded i usually upload i usually post i'm more of a uh messy in action kind of uh um poster 
<laughs> Does that make sense? Yes. Some people, some people yeah. post just pretty finished pictures, like only finished pictures, like studio pictures of shiny, glossy guitars. I. But process shots. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was. If I was smarter, I would. If if I was a classical instrument maker, I would have had the brains to know that word. We know. <laughs> we know, buddy. We know. Um, <laughs> your vocab's bigger than mine. <laughs> it's about how you use yeah. it. Again. Yeah. So I. Yeah, I I tend to, I I know I enjoy seeing process shots, so I I I uh, post all those, which can be That's a little great. bit ugly. Getting back to that marketing thing, myth thing, it's like I'm not sure. I think it's probably better marketing to to post pretty nice finished pictures, and you know customers don't really want to know the how the sausage is made. Well, I don't know. I have lots of people who just comment on my pictures just because they want to see what's they're interested in what's in pieces and what kind of tools I'm using. Uh, I, I, I think that there's lots of room for interest for that. <laughs> hmm. I, I think there is. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, I do get a lot of comments on, um, on that. Yeah. A lot of people do seem to, I'm just not certain. It's, it <laughs> just a, depends on how many questions you want to answer about, <laughs> about what you're up to. There you go. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah what, uh, yeah. I my, my, my favorite is the best. for years, I, I have always had a, a bottle of habanero sauce on my bench because <laughs> if I eat anything, I put a habanero <laughs> on it. And dozens of people in person and on the internet have asked me, what do you use that for in the violin? <laughs> It's like, well, it's to keep me regular. Makes your instrument sound better when I'm regular. I have a lot of Vegemite jars um, in yes. my workshop. Uh, they they become, you know, glue pots or sort of dust pots, kind of, you know. There's always <laughs> there's always some reason to something have a big you need to perfect you know, tub of uh, ebony dust. So. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bo, this has been so much fun. Thanks for joining us, man. My my pleasure. Thank you. I, I, I hope my origin story was up to standard. It was lovely. And, um, and thank <laughs> and you for <laughs> speaking on behalf of all guitar makers and uke makers, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's no other opinions, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but, but the ones I've Yeah, said, we appreciate yeah. you being a part of this <laughs> and have a lovely day. Thank you. You too. Hey guys, Learning Trade Secrets is a fine stringed instrument making and restoration program where students and professionals can come and focus on specific topics of making and restoration to further their education and skills. And coming up this July 21st to 26th is Bow Making 201 with the ineffable Rodney Moore. The one and only. This course is for the advanced bow maker, uh, somebody who's attended bow rehairing and maintenance or bow making 101 or the equivalent at the Oberlin workshop, restoration or bow making, or someone who is already looking to become a professional in the field and has the chops to get there. Uh, this course includes independent work with daily discussions on design, camber, graduations, and finishing bows. Uh, people who are interested in a career in bow making or desiring to reach what Rodney has, the Orcon Corps status, or membership into the Federation, um, this sort of course is invaluable. If you want more information, be sure to 
find out about this course and available benches by going to Learning Trade Secrets website. That is learningtradesecrets.com. Thanks. Welcome, everybody. Uh, we're here, Luthier versus Luthier, Luthier versus Luthier, uh, talking to Matt Ike out of Michigan. And Matt, you own a little company called Mule Guitars, right? You want to tell us a little bit about what you do with your time? Yeah, uh, sure. Hey, guys. Good morning, by the way. Good morning. Um, yeah, the, the type of instrument we make is a little bit different. Um, they're steel-bodied resonator guitars. It was a type of guitar that came up with in the 30s. Um, and it started out during like the Hawaiian music craze and then jazz music with big band. And then uh, the guitars needed a little bit more volume. So they, these two brothers figured it out, the design of the resonator guitar and started making them out of steel. And then the two brothers got in a fight. They split up and amplifiers came along and put them out of business. And, yeah. uh, mm. and so, you know, for the next whatever it was 80 years um there really wasn't a lot of steel bodied resonators being made and then the new national company started again in 1990 um and there's been some hand builders since then uh, making them um off and on and then we started about six years ago making steel bodied resonator guitars um and, Man, uh, I, I love your guitars. Do. Your guitars hey, are so sexy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they really are. And you, you, you've basically taken the process of what you needed and small boxed everything, right? You're turning your own cones and you're, you're producing all the parts, winding your own pickups and selling tuners to people. Yeah, you know, um, we actually have a guy spinning the cones right now while I try to figure out how to get the dies made and all of that stuff for that part but yeah, yeah with the tuners and, and the other parts and stuff it is definitely trying to do it all here and not so much in the handmade is better type way but just to keep uh like maintain control over the things you know yeah. and to, matt you know, when you when you say cones can you explain what that is yeah so what makes a resonator guitar a resonator guitar is uh-huh. the cone inside the guitar a cone is a what looks like a speaker like a speaker cone inside of like your computer speaker, but it's a spun aluminum cone and it's really thin. It's about 10,000 thin and the strings. Inches. (laughs) (laughs) We violin makers look down our noses at your. (laughs) Well, well, if you can do the conversion in your head of 10,000 of an inch, I'm going to be super impressed. No, no, I'm just pretending I'm smart. (laughs) Throw the metric system across the table. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So the the strings of the guitar go over the cone and and that's what really generates the volume. It the strings Mm. get that thin cone um, moving and that gets the volume going. And then that kind of reflects inside the the body. And that's what gives the resonator guitar uh, that resonator guitar tone. Okay. Uh, it's such a rich, spooky sound, and, and yours, yeah. yours are sounds so good. I, I have yet to hear one in person, but I, I stalk you around the internet. Oh, a little cool! Bit. Yeah. So, <laughs> what's fun about the resonators is that, you know, like I said, they've been they started in the you know late twenties, and the the traditional thinking was that because you have that cone in there, you build the body so that um, 
the cone does all the vibrating. So the bodies were really overbuilt and they've continued to be overbuilt. Well, mm-hmm. like our approach to it is more like an acoustic guitar maker. We're trying to get the back moving as much as possible because yeah. when resonator guitars suck, it's because they sound really thin and tinny. And mm-hmm. so okay. so to get a warm sound, you have to get a big thing moving, and that's the back. You have the wide back moving. So that's kind of what gives our guitars that spooky quality is that you're hearing a lot of the steel as opposed to hearing the thin aluminum cone. What's what's that slogan? The new sound of steel. The new sound of steel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's our that's our corporate tagline. Well, Rosie, if if you yeah. want to talk a little bit about what we're doing, and and then uh, I think Rosie has some questions for you, Matt. Okay. Yeah. You know. uh, yeah, we do have some questions. We started uh, we started Omo long ago, and knew that. At some point, we had to acknowledge that there's a whole other set of luthiers out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not it's not just for violin makers. Yeah. yeah, there's guitar makers as well. You guys have the same name. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that this holds worldwide, but in America, there's a little bit of like a snobbery going there's, on. We're at different yeah. corners of the lunchroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, I, I thought you were a, a good... Um, what am I trying to say? I thought you were good because violin makers perhaps look down their noses at others. And I, I don't think that Rosie and Jerry and myself are like that. And that mostly we're going to find that, you know, what we have in common in drive and spirit as builders of instruments is really what we have to talk about here. We can be the butt <laughs> of jokes. It's like, it's like sports teams <laughs> jokes. They always go both ways. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we pick on the violist, so well, I wanted to start this with a joke, uh, and that's, what's the difference, Matt, between guitar makers and violin makers when it comes to using power tools? The sure. answer is nothing. We just lie about it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah, all this. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's, there's plenty of deception on both sides. Yeah. yeah. You got to make that sale, man. Yeah. Yeah. But Matt, what do you think we have in common? Um, you know, I, I, I was, I just read the kind of summary of the podcast and what I, I guess, what I find in common, at least with the two violin makers that I know at this point, <laughs> is that, is that I think anyone who does the really important work has a certain amount of a reverence for for what they do as well like what we have in common is that we're human beings and we make stuff and i think i think connecting that way is really important like you know like the neuroses it's like hey this is hard for everybody (laughs) you know you making violins you encounter the same exact problems as i do making guitars and especially when you get to be a professional because now you're a business owner and the problems that that violin makers encounter with with suppliers and customers and warranty stuff and you know are my children going to starve is the same exact thing as guitar makers it's just yeah, the end product and i think i think the more that we connect with that people part and less of the what we make part i think the closer we all kind of seem amen brother yeah yeah, yeah. preach it 
have have you encountered a classist attitude between luthiers? Um, you know, I can't say that I've encountered a classist attitude. I um, just because I don't have a lot of association with even other guitar makers really i mean what we do is so different like you know (laughs) yeah i mean i've showed up at yeah i've probably done five or six guitar shows at this point and you know like everyone thinks it's super cool but nobody knows what to do with it you know they're not expecting a a metal bodied resonator guitar so yeah we're talking about different things um you bucked the system yeah I, i well you know everyone was when it started, everyone was, everyone is so good, you know, like stuff is guitars, like, you know, making guitars by hand is really in its infancy. Maybe we're at like the toddler stage by now, but, um, but you know, it's just kind of the way that it is. Yeah. yeah. So does that mean, uh, most instruments that you encounter are like mostly, um, manufactured. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, it's very early for me. <laughs> they're uh, they're mostly manufactured at a uh, a warehouse, and and you're you're trying to change that. Is that what's going well, on? Well, I you know I think with the any amount of classist attitude um, is really just with within the guitar making community. I think that like the people that I personally encounter, everyone is kind of do like in the handmade world is everyone is kind of doing the you know look at look at the new body shape i've created the crazy sound hole i can put on this guitar the crazy inlay i can put on the top the finest yeah that's the finest finish the finest woods the ultimate pursuit of perfection at cost of everything else i have grown the tree i have harvested this i've dedicated my life to this (laughs) and somehow that's supposed to convince people that they're getting an instrument that they're going to be able to write songs on and that absolutely is not the case you know no there there has not been any any song that's going to be played in a hundred years written on a guitar with a puzzle piece inlay on the top you know it's just it's just and that egocentric approach to building i think that's the classist attitude that comes through where it's like well i'm at this level of guitar making because of dot 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 where if you're not there then you're sub that when that's really not the point at all yeah yeah Yeah, the point is to get working machines into smart interesting people's hands yeah and i think that's what's awesome about um like violin making community and i bring up that example all the time when i talk to people is like like you don't see violin makers pulling that shit you know like if like if you guys decided to put an f-hole on the side of the violin people would just laugh (laughs) at you it would be ridiculous maybe that's the what you're saying about there being a, a toddler phase for guitars in comparison is that our form is so established is so finished Mm -hmm. and is is on you know on some level provably an acoustic machine Mm -hmm. that i mean a a a cello a really fine old cello a really fine new cello will project over a 300 piece orchestra at the back of the hall so that you can't hear the timpani um you put the f-hole on the side uh it's it's that's not going to work anymore so we we have stricture as if you know like 
like when when you're writing in 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 verse you have to follow the meter um and guitar makers can drag interest into fun little estuaries with with uh physical stuff and yeah i agree um yeah it's it's uh instrument as a tool don't fuck with it because it's going on to its better life (laughs) you know fantastic (laughs) well chris was talking a little bit about uh just the history of uh maybe we we think that we have someone who just did it perfectly so we're just trying to continue that legacy so we've got the lore of Mm, stradivari and the cremona families and and the the secrets yeah the secrets of Stradivari, like the speculation on uh, that he had wood that fought a mini ice age. So, <laughs> so it's yeah. like magical yeah. wood. And then mystery varnish that we still haven't figured yeah. out. It's yeah. lady blood. Yeah. Lady blood. <laughs> I get I get links about that stuff. Yeah. You know, anybody who see, yeah. sees that the newest show on TV will text me and be like, "Have you heard about this?" <laughs> are you rubbing mushrooms into the inside of the steel (laughs) so how much it's a certain kind of fungus so yeah we were just wondering if there's a lure that a lure what is it lore lore Lore. that is similar (laughs) to that in the guitar Um, world the stories that people tell over and over again and try to imagine yes i you know i think with like pre-war martin guitars is like that and you know any vintage guitar is very much like that um you know, guitars, you know, they kind of really picked up speed at the beginning, like uh, with the internet, you know, so anything, anything new gear related or whatever gets kind of spread around like wildfire. So, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I think with any like vintage instrument, it's definitely held in esteem. People will come up with reasons why. Um, I love, I love old guitars. They're awesome. Um, but they're not yeah. they're not any better because the you know growth rings on the spruce bracing is tighter you know it's the same it's just the same shit different day <laughs> you know so. yeah if you're handling the yeah. wood then the characteristics of the wood have to get yeah. handled you it's have you ever been to to vintage in philadelphia no matt so my my friend and colleague uh fred oster has this beautiful shop it's the most beautiful instrument shop i've ever been in in this world and uh it's you walk in and there's four stories of uh of mahogany staircases up to stained glass window and the lower two floors are all vintage guitars and i mean Mm -hmm. he's got his, his thing when when he started in high school was he wanted to own every version of the the pre-war martin that existed wow there's just dozens on dozens of guitars that cost as much yeah. as a house down there it's it's an awesome. awesome place yeah that vintage thing is is amazing you know it's like what you're buying is history and and that's yeah. priceless how it's communicated i think is what needs to shake up just like with how people communicate about instruments um you know mm-hmm. getting away from the gear and the numbers and that's why we don't put anything related to that on the website. We don't talk about materials and dimensions and all of that. Cause you know, just like, I know you guys know that feeling when you hand a violin to someone and they pick it up and play it and their eyes close and they go to that happy place. It's like, that's the whole thing. 
and when someone picks it up they're not really thinking about like how you radius the fingerboard or how the miters were on your purfling or you know all all of that and there's always always the client that knows enough to be really obnoxious oh (laughs) yeah to be like "Hmm, are you sure this is 42.5 degrees matt ike it feels more like 43 to me or oh we dude we had this lady who was counting her bow hair (laughs) no no No. shit she was determined because somebody said to her at some point and she means Mm -hmm. well but she's just bored that there had to be a certain number of bow hairs this is a horse tail you know and so she came back because we had 13 less bow hairs than she was sure was optimal you know and and there's definitely that element in the guitar world too and i guess I guess the way yep. that I kind of look at that is no one would be counting their bow hairs if there wasn't a luthier telling her how many bow hairs there were in it. At some <laughs> point, some dude said, I'm going to find the optimal number of, <laughs> of bow hairs. And then... And ruin Chris yeah, Jacoby's and, life. And, that's, we only have ourselves and that, that was his selling point. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm yeah, going to yeah. tell people that I know the optimal number of bow hairs. And then all the consumers went, oh, that's a thing? You know, and and so and, and the opportunity that us luthiers can curb stop the shit out of some 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 person <laughs> saying like I weighed I weighed my bridge in grams or I hooked up my top to a you know a sand table and shot it with frequencies. Yeah, to- it's just like just stop. You can totally do that for fun on your own time when your kids are at basketball. <laughs> you know, if that if that's what you want to yeah. do, just don't say that to people that buy buy stuff it it takes them down the wrong path don't teach people that quality yes. rests on arcane yes, processes that's a perfect way because what when i come across an arcane process a lot of times what i find is oh the things that work well across the board coincide in these processes in ways that are interesting yeah. But you, you'll get somebody who's like no no the mode is off by this <laughs> yeah. many hertz just like yeah. what are you doing yeah with your right life? and and yeah like you said educating people uh in the proper ways are that's part of us being professionals you know it's like we yeah, sift through that crap yeah. and then we present to the people what really matters um so that they don't get caught up in it and then they can just play yeah, yeah. well matt in your professional opinion Who's the luthier's luthier? The luthier's luthier. Um, I I yeah. think the luthier's luthier is Ken Parker. Um, Ken makes these amazing arch tops right now. Um, he also made um, yeah. the Parker Fly guitars from like the nineties and stuff. Ken, yeah, oh, okay. and so and okay. so. He, if you guys haven't seen his arch tops, check them out because they they're like they're like the perfect. In my in my eyes, I'm just gonna fanboy out for a little bit. Um, in my eyes, sure. they're just like the perfect <laughs> new instrument. They they take reference very much from violin makers. There's that the fiddle edges, it's varnish finish. It's a traditional arch top shape with just a little something something. He he has enough mm-hmm. respect Ooh. for what people expect from instruments, but also enough a reverence to just do whatever the heck he wants to do. Um, and I and I talked to him yeah. at Woodstock, and I mean, within thirty seconds, I was like, "Okay, yeah, this is awesome." He does not have the pretentiousness, 
but you know he can he can balance all of those things really well and uh yeah he's he's mm. a hot shot he's yeah he's Great. he's all those things so i also love that while you were telling all us all of that we could hear you've, you're in yeah. a workshop right now with some other people i hear like people scraping <laughs> yeah. in the background yeah. we've got awesome effects of like people in the process while we're doing this interview. yeah i've got three guys that help me with these guitars will and uh dennis and mike and um hey will yeah. hey dennis yeah, hey, yeah mike. they're they're awesome they're great guys and they de- they definitely do what they do here much better than i could ever do so <laughs> that's a isn't it nice oh. to be the boss? Oh, mm. I love hiring luthiers oh, that are better than me and taking it is, credit. It is a complete joy. I absolutely love making these guitars with them. Um, yeah, it's, Fantastic, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Lovely. Well, we talk a lot in this camp over here about material mm-hmm. resources. Like We talk about how we can sustainably source wood. What can we replace with synthetic materials? Can we recycle what we have? Uh, is that same kind of conversation happening over in your camp? And, and what um, are you guys talking well, about? You know, again, we're kind of in a different scheme of things because, yeah, right. You know, like back inside <laughs> is the kind of the big conversation with people now. Um, and, and we don't have to encounter okay. that. But that was also part of the initial decision to make this type of guitar was everyone's being awesome at this. I'm going to go try to play my own game. And, and the, the traditional, Mm -hmm. like, like, so the necks are wood, obviously. And the traditional neck material is maple. Well, maple is Mm going to be around for a long time. It's not, it's also, yeah, yeah, it's also fast. domestic. So, you know, a traditional neck wood for acoustic guitars is mahogany. Why would I why would I pay money for a piece of wood that's hauled out of the jungle on a truck or by elephant, put on a boat, shipped to a luthier supply place, sat around forever, and then shipped to my shop when I could just get maple with a hundred times the the amount of of uh, money right it, onto it, it doesn't it doesn't make sustainability yeah. sense and it doesn't make sense from a business perspective either because I want to be able to drive an hour south of here and pick up a trailer full of torrified maple and haul it back to my shop and be done with it and you're using torrified that's that's a oh it's nice amazing look. yeah yeah the torrified maple roasted maple all that stuff is all kind of the same but yeah it's a uh, so for people that aren't familiar, it's a, a kilning process without oxygen present inside where yeah. it's baked. So uh, Rosie and I talked about Viome kiln baking as wood, and it can make it really mm-hmm. brittle and acidic mm-hmm. after a number of centuries, mm-hmm. a number of decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems at this point that torrefaction doesn't have that same drawback for some reason. I mean, because uh, oxygen is acidic. It's uh, it breaks stuff down the oh, same way that water does. I mean, I I ponded wood for a few years, um, which is funny that you know you take perfectly good dry tone wood and then you sink it underwater. Really? And then when you pull it out, yeah, when you pull it out a year later, it's darker, it's springier, it carves easier, and uh, it it's lighter. Um, when it re-dries and there's something about it becoming 
completely immersed that drives the sugars into the cell wall. I'm told by people that do sciencey <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and then when it dries, the the cell walls, which and the the winter grains are stiffer because they've had all the sugars pushed into them, and then it mm. recrystallizes. Um, so I mean, the torrefaction is that something is really, that you really still fascinating, do? Though. I, um, it's something I'm thinking about doing again because I've been working <laughs> on this viola that went into the yeah. nasty muddy river. I'm doing a, a complete restoration. Uh, it was in it was, uh, a friend and colleague's car got washed into the into the river with her in it when she was coming back from a wolf trap out here near Maryland. Yeah, and they, so she hung on to the side of the river for a few hours until she was pulled oh out in the flash flood. But her, her nice viola was uh, in its case in the car for three days um, and came completely apart into its composite parts. And now I'm putting it back together. And uh, the wood feels and sounds fantastic oh. after being tortured. So that, so that, so that's the key to a great violin: is drive your car into a muddy river, it's hang just... onto the bank for dear life while everything yeah. is submerged, and then have Jacob B put it back together again. Yeah. That's a story you could sell yeah, that for so a million dollars. That that violin is the next category. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime anybody orders a violin from yeah. me, how like, dedicated are you? <laughs> Prove it. Back back to what you said about getting local maple. We do have some people who are trying to uh, use those kind of principles in making as well. Uh, yeah. The guy that we had on recently, Julian Costman Cook, one of his driving principles is trying to find local materials when he's creating varnish mm. recipes. Um, when he can source local material for wood, I bl- I think he does, but I, I don't yeah, know yeah. that we have the same options for yeah. for that here in Texas. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's it's uh, worldwide. Lots yeah, of people making those really same Im- choices. Because you get varnish. Sorry, uh, yeah, ahead, it's sorry. really important when when you scale to like we make about this year we're probably going to make around 200 guitars a year, which is which is nothing in oh, the, like man, the great. scheme of guitars, but you know like um we definitely have to be able to get it reliably and right now and if we were if we were digging through salvage yards looking for steel it would never happen if we were trying to import the fanciest wood from indonesia it wouldn't happen and so i so i think that i think yeah. that part of the balance equation of hey yeah this is a good choice for sustainability and the world but also it makes good business you know it doesn't it doesn't have to be i don't have to go looking for reclaimed wood and spend my whole life digging around in lumber yards um there won't be a point at which people go well the mules were good until 2021 (laughs) when uh that varnish yeah. product yeah and then like the fingerboards yeah. on the guitars are ebony but ever since the beginning we've always bought the quote b-grade boards that have the color yeah Macassar. yeah this is all this Macassar. is all uh kaboon ebony but it's but it's the stuff that cool. the factories don't want because they think customers won't buy colored boards but out of out of 600 guitars mm-hmm. that we've made we've probably had a dozen people request black boards everybody thinks that the colored boards are extra mm. money like they're figured 
So nice. It's not yeah, a so bug. The, so, it's a so the idea that if you make yeah. those choices, and I, I don't, and you guys can, you know, maybe mm-hmm. say about like if violin buyers would also feel that way. But, you know, the idea that luthiers have about like, well, no one would ever buy that, it's, it's just not true. Mm-hmm. It's funny how, how often I hear that sort of prejudice about things that yes. are completely <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. People with too much time <laughs> thinking about the wrong things. Well, now we're talking about that specifically. Can we disregard mystique and showmanship if it's making people sales? Like, mm-hmm. do we, just because you and I and Rosie, uh, Matt, feel like this circus is mm-hmm. a circus, this this whole thing we're talking about is a circus, if this is what puts food on people's table, awesome that, that you can do it without it. But can that be separated from what the hmm. clients want? Can you really educate that out of I guitar think, players? I, th- I think that's interesting because that's kind of the big question, right? Is because when we have those conversations, people are like, well, that's a great idea, but I got to feed my family. I think you, I think you have to go. Mm. I think it's the Toyota thing. Ask why five times. I think that, I think, yeah. Tell us about that. What, what was you, that? What are you talking about, man? Uh, to, yeah what so toyota's about, like their production system they have a principle <laughs> called the ask why five times so if you say like well you know this is happening why well someone has a you know knee-jerk reaction this is why okay well why is that the case you know answer that question okay then why mm. is that the case and so you actually get back to what the cause of the issue is as opposed to what everybody in the room thinks I think my kids work for Toyota. <laughs> right. Yeah. And but it, it really and the reason it's frustrating is because it pushes you. It's like you just want the, your kid to like stop and like stop asking why. It's frustrating because it, it's making you dig, you know? And I think I think when people like propose that, like, well, it would be great if we could do this, but it's you're what what I think is happening is that the conversation that's being had is still the gear centric conversation. It's it's not about Very cool. you have to you have to communicate it effectively to your customers. Like I said, like we don't talk about the type of steel of the guitars. We don't we don't say like, you know, this is the wood that we use. This is the dimension. We want people to pick up the guitar and have fun. And so like I use mm-hmm. Osmo on the necks, the type of hand rub finish and everyone. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. That's and beautiful fellow guitar makers are like, well, I would use that too, but no one would buy it. Everyone wants nitrocellulose. And out of 600 people, I've not had a single person even ask me what type of finish I use or get the guitar and be like, wow, this guitar <laughs> feels really different. I, I hear this is the best neck that I've ever felt. That's what I hear. But no one has complained <laughs> yeah. and no one has said Amen. like, oh, I spilled my beer on it and it wore through and now I'm really pissed. It just doesn't work like that. And so I think if you go all the way back and communicate this thing is this is a tool. I want you to have fun playing it. Awesome. No one's asking about where you got your maple from or what latitude it was grown at. But if you're, pl- if you're playing the game of, mm-hmm. 
selling your stuff based on those specs of course you're going to get hung eventually because everyone's going like well is this the finest because you said that you're using the finest you know yeah of course you back yourself into a corner sure so your answer is that you have to let yourself off the hook before you can you can conceive of serving your client. In I, another way. I would you say have to let yourself off the hook and also get out of your the own maker. way. You know, like, um, nice. you know, everyone comes out of Luthier school. I, I mean, my first guitar out of Luthier school was a 10 string fan fret, Kasha brace touch style guitar. I was like 19 <laughs> years old and I was like, I just learned 15 things and I'm going to use all 15 things on this guitar. oh yeah reinventing the wheelbarrow a lot of that sort of stuff is just us holding on to this idea that we're really passionate about and we're enthusiastic about and we get fired up because we're luthiers and we know stuff and we can do things and getting out of the way and like we said in the beginning like connecting with people now you're off the hook i didn't tell you that i dedicate my whole life to this pursuit i also like cycling and jujitsu and going out with my friends mm-hmm. at the same time the i have other things time. to do so if you think that i'm in here with a saw cutting out you know every top by hand instead of using a laser beam you are wrong because i have to go make dinner <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and i and i think getting out of that okay. way is what's really important because no one buys a rosy violin or a jacoby violin because it's the best violin they buy it because they connect with you as people and if that's what you're selling it on, then Fantastic. nothing else gets in the way. If if Jacoby says, hey, man, you know, yeah, maple that I get from this place isn't sustainable. I chose this one. I trust Jacoby. Cool. I'm along for the ride. I'm still going to mm-hmm. go cool. play trust this. Me. Trust me. Trust Boom. me. And now it's about people. It's not about <laughs> selling yeah. selling the gear stuff. Yeah, I, I yeah. love this. This is exactly what I hope for in these conversations was <laughs> to talk to somebody from a completely different corner who has thought about the ways that, that we succeed mm-hmm. making instruments instead of worrying about the weight of history. Yeah. And yeah, and, and I think, and you know, all the big questions are balanced questions. How do you build what people expect? and respect that and also do what you need to do to be a professional and get out of your own way. And that's like a daily struggle thing. There is no answer to that question. Is handmade better than machine made? Is using a hand plane better? Yeah. yeah alcohol doesn't work <laughs> yeah. for a long period. Yeah. Right. So it works for a, yeah. a little bit. So yeah, it's a, it's, it it's the worse. balance stuff. Yeah. You know, it's, it's those big questions. Now you were you were talking earlier about using your entire yeah. skill set the moment that you got out of school. <laughs> yeah, burned it out yeah. in one fiery flash. Yeah. Uh, so, are there uh, people in your field? Do you see a lot that um, a lot of people who they need to have what they're doing be like different, secret, and special to be fulfilled? I, man, I hate to throw, I hate to throw a bunch of people under the bus. But okay, I'm going to do it. You don't have to name guitar makers. Yeah, I'm going to qualify it with just like, hey, guitar, uh, fellow guitar makers, I love you guys. We're all in this together. But I mean, eight out of 10 guitar makers, from what I've seen at shows, 
are in that mode mm. of we're 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 making art we're not making tools look at this fancy sound hole everyone thinks mm-hmm. that them putting a sound hole on the side of the guitar they're like the first dozen people to have done that and it, it's right. a porthole it's yeah, not but, a sound well hole. it changes it's the like a ship. resonance of the guitar so that the, you know the trebles really sing <laughs> and it's just it's like I, w- I remember being in high school digging around on people's websites and everyone was saying the same thing and so everyone's in, stuck in this rut of yeah. of saying the same stuff over and over again and so you know five years later those guys go out of business they're replaced by new people who think that they're you know, reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, there's one guy, mm-hmm. Dale Fairbanks is a guy who builds um, Gibson style acoustic guitars and he's amazing. He's the best. I have one of his, um, uh, one of his guitars too. We did a trade and it's just the perfect, it's just the perfect balance of that is like when you say guitar, what he builds is what you think in your head. But it's Dale Fairbanks, and he's awesome. Mm-hmm. He's an awesome guy, and this is an amazing guitar. And I can sit down and write a song on it, and I'm not distracted by having three cutaways on the instrument, you know. And there is a market for, like, there is a market for that mm-hmm. boutique sensibility, and it doesn't keep the instruments from being right. good. Yeah, that's great. But I worry about. Yeah, yeah, like the, my my favorite violin makers are the folks. I mean, like Will Wedby in in uh, Chicago are folks who can sit down and finish ten cellos a year that mm-hmm. people can't get enough of, and they are consistently great and consistently mm-hmm. themselves without uh without worrying about the the materials and the story behind the materials like we're talking yeah. about and that that guy that guy's yeah. the man you know yeah that, and that's, that's the guy that's i'm sure that you know webby because he's a great guy there's a story involved there's you know a connection yeah. involved that make people want those instruments you know and as and violin makers are a great example of that he's mm-hmm. like hey uh, hate to break it to you guys but everything that you guys make looks the same to us <laughs> you know and mm-hmm. yeah and it's, right. it's awesome and i love that yeah this is the guy who's making <laughs> yeah, pink right? steel strips yeah see, see we can get away with stuff like that <laughs> guitar players are all all crazy mm-hmm. but that that's what that's what guitar makers need more of they they need more of that violin maker mentality. There's a reason those instruments have been around for so long, and why they're so respected because they're tools, and and we need more of that. You know, yeah. um, where we're making stuff people expect so that they can go write songs on it. Mm-hmm. So Matt, how do you think people perceive you? <laughs> that should be that should be an instagram poll <laughs> what do you guys yeah think about me? yeah right yeah. jujitsu bicyclist um, you know i i don't i don't know how people i don't know how people perceive what we do i think i think what we're trying to communicate to people is exactly that is like when you hear resonator guitar this is basically what pops in your head. This is the resonator shape. It has F holes. It sounds different for sure. 
but if i mean if you go on our website like you can obviously like buy guitars on the website but the whole website is based around it's it's kind of like a youtube page for resonator players where it's really easy for people to make accounts and share their videos and pictures and um, comment and follow each other because that's the whole point you know is like having fun on these guitars and so i I, what i hope people see is that we're like four guys who are having fun making resonator guitars and you guys should have fun playing them too and if that's your jam then cool (laughs) you know You've kind of changed my, well, not kind of, you've definitely changed my sphere of influence when I choose music to listen to. Oh, cool. Uh, just because of Charlie Parr, and whom I had never heard of, and because you had uh, recordings of him and him playing your instrument, you know, even just like YouTube suggesting other stuff, because YouTube's like, all right, yeah. this guy knows yeah, who Charlie and, Parr is. Yeah, Charlie Parr is a game changer. And I, I dig and it. He, uh, he's coming on Monday to record some more videos here at the here at the shop. So yeah, he's he's Hell got yeah. a new album coming out, so he's going to record all the songs, uh, videos here. And it, yeah, it, it's it's all about getting what people are doing on them in front of people you know and it's backing that up with like the marketing aspect of what we do is like if if we're going to sit here and talk about these things are tools and you should go use them and it's not about gear then putting the musicians first and saying look what charlie parr is doing with this look what jeffrey focal is doing with this look what sean rouse doing with this then people go like it makes sense because it's about the music but then people also say hey i really like jeffrey focal maybe i could use one of those with the way that i write songs i never would have thought about a resonator you know being used like that before what can i do with you can play a resonator in a bathtub full of water with your feet that's (laughs) if you could get if you get a video of you doing that i'll put it on the website (laughs) oh my wife's gonna be so oh yeah she'll be mad but it'll get like a million hits it'll be totally worth it Nice. Oh my gosh. Well, uh, do you have any stories about how people have reacted when you tell them about your job? Like what I don't really bring up what my job is to people because they don't see me at all if I do. <laughs> like they stop talking to this goofy dude in front of them and start talking to a violin maker yeah (laughs) so what's what kind of questions do they follow up with when you tell them oh it's and i derailed your question i'm sorry (laughs) oh no no no, it's a it's a conversation you go first uh, it's, it's just, uh, you know, like, well, have you ever seen a Stradivarius? My auntie had a Stradivarius. It was in the attic. Did you know oh. that it was just the mushrooms in the wine and that they couldn't drink if the water because of the plague? And, and I, I just like, I, I, I don't mind that stuff. I love telling stories, but like, I don't try and start my interaction with someone ever. And I, I might even, and it annoys Brittany, but I might even like put somebody off if they ask what mm-hmm. I do. I'll be like, oh, I work in a music shop, you know, so that I can mm-hmm. try and have, I'm not ashamed of what I do. I fucking mm-hmm. love it. It's cool. I'm so lucky. Yeah. But I want to have an interaction with the person <laughs> without, you know, them going right for it. Yeah, them. you don't have that and same admit- conversation over and over again. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean I can I can definitely relate to like this sense of hesitation there. Um mm-hmm. And, and, you know, when I say, like, I'm a guitar maker, there's definitely kind of like a, I say it out of the corner of my mouth, like, what are you going to think <laughs> about it? Um, but, you know, like, I spent 15 years in different factories, like at extrusion places and, you know, filling orders, just thinking about the day that I would be able to make these full time. And so when, like, I... I hate to say it, but I have no problem derailing the conversation. <laughs> you know, it, well, good. No, no, you shouldn't hate to say it. Yeah, it's you, it's just it's just a feeling of like, yeah, it's uh okay. We'll talk about we'll talk about this, you know, because it's it's crazy, and you know, of course, everyone has the same questions. Like, have you made a guitar for anyone famous? Is the neck made out of metal too, and that sort of stuff? And it's I, it's totally fine. I obviously like i i get all ranty about things so 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 i have no problem you know it's like yeah the neck is actually wood and i carve it and let me tell you how i carve it and oh do you have to go to dinner like with your family now that's okay cool i'll see you later (laughs) (laughs) well rosie uh definitely wants to ask you about your family yeah yeah we'll get there uh yeah okay okay. whoever could you be speaking of yeah i don't know (laughs) Okay, this one's super important. You ready? I'm ready. Uh, what's your website and contact info? And can I have a free guitar? My band's totally going on tour in a month. <laughs> it would be great exposure for you. Yeah, for, for you. Me. Big oh guy. gosh, so you guys get that too, huh? Um, <laughs> yeah. the The website is muleresophonic dot com, and M U L E. Yeah, like the like the animal, and then. Yeah, there's a contact link there, so people can click there. Okay. And um, and if there's anybody listening, like burgeoning luthiers, and want to talk about about that sort of thing, businessy things or whatever, and run ideas by me, please do. Because, okay. like I said, I like talking about it. So. Yeah, and you're you're a dude that came from working in other people's factories to producing with a team of four. 200 instruments a year that you can't sell fast enough that 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 is serious clout man and i i I gotta say i respect the hell out of you yeah it's uh i'm 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 totally totally blessed to be in this spot and um Mm. yeah it it definitely feels every day like the ship could be sinking and i don't know (laughs) you know like i still drive by industrial parks and be like you know if i had to that's where i would go to find a job (laughs) that's still part of it but yeah, it's it's awesome. Now, I promised Chris that I wouldn't make the whole interview about this. <laughs> but you... What does Jason Momoa's hair <laughs> smell like? Like like Viking king of oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, please tell us about this experience of delivering a guitar to Jason Momoa, please. Okay, so you know with all of the downsides of social media, the upsides are um, also that it's really easy to connect with people. And turns out that Jason Momoa, who is Aquaman slash Khal Drago mm-hmm. from Game of Thrones, um, mm-hmm. is super into uh, guitars, particularly resonator guitars, which I found out because he bought a resonator guitar out from under me from mm-hmm. uh, Reverb in Chicago. Yeah, That's I was awesome. looking at this Woodbody National from 1928 or something. 
on the reverb site it's like yeah well it was actually on instagram that they posted it and i saw it and i was like i kind of wanted that well he he had also commented on the bottom of that picture want it dm me and and so i was like okay well apparently momoa reads his dms so i also dm'd him and asked him about that guitar and he had he then sent me a picture of himself wearing a top hat with a big ear to ear grin holding that guitar (laughs) 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 and that's how that started so um so eventually we make these electric steel body electric guitars as well and so he wanted a dirty pink one and and so so he's like i want a dirty pink mule caster so we went back and forth and i said i told him i said well stories are better than money you know how about a trade like and i'm and i thinking like you know uh like a prop from his show frontier um frontier is a netflix series where he plays this badass fur trader love it killing people with it. axes he's a, it's a he's a half breed oh, yeah it's awesome totally brutal so i'm like how about like a prop from frontier and uh and so uh you know a day or two goes by and in the meantime we make this instagram video me and the guys um where it's like a quote audition video for frontier where we go out in the parking lot with this tomahawk (laughs) and we're throwing it at random things and completely missing it's a complete disaster um but the like the frontier music is playing in the background and you know all of this stuff i'm wearing a raccoon skin cap the whole time and uh and so we we post that and uh so then he responds to me and he says fuck that how about you get over here and i'll kill you on camera ah! <laughs> and, and i'm like well where's there and so <laughs> so he's like bambero just bambero i'm like google where bambero is and it's in northumberland in the uk which is like the upper okay. peninsula of the uk it's like no one ever li- no one really lives there and the weather's the the upers yeah. of uh yeah of but there's Britain. lots of castles <laughs> so so um <laughs> i guess long story short um <laughs> like it probably was like a month later uh my girlfriend jenny and i flew over there and we're in a trailer with a guitar and Jason Momoa walks in and we're eating barbecue and uh Jenny actually <laughs> got a shirtless hug from Momoa which probably <laughs> was like the greatest gift that I could have ever given her and we were only dating for like <laughs> three months at the time but uh yeah Amen. he like he walked into the trailer and just me I was in there and it was like a hundred degrees in the trailer, and he's like, "Oh man, fuck, it's hot in here." And he pulls his shirt off, and he sits down next to me eating barbecue. And then Jenny walks into the trailer, and I just see it all in slow motion. And she she looks at me, and she looks at him, and then she looks at me with like, "Is it okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And she gives him this huge hug, and it's just, it was awesome. Um. <laughs> Yeah, he's happy. wearing leather pants. It was like the it was the whole thing. So so we hung out for like that week. Um, the filming, like I dressed up as a red coat, 
and I ran around the castle shooting black powder rifles, running through the dunes with torches, filming these different scenes. Oh, it was like, oh my goodness. dude, it was like eight year old Matt's total dream. Like I had, I had a yeah. flintlock rifle when I was seven, you know, like it was, it was the whole thing. And, uh, it was like 30 degrees outside and it was raining the whole time. And we were filming from 4 PM until four in the morning. So it was, it was brutal. And the whole time I'm wondering like, okay, is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? And I'm huddled with the other red coats under this tent. And then one of the, one of the producers comes over is like, is Matt around here? Is Matt around here? And then it's like slow motion again. And I'm like, I'm Matt. She's like, come with me. And so (laughs) you're going to die. um, uh, I go over to where the main group is and, uh, yeah, we filmed this scene where I'm following two of the redcoats over the dune, and he uh, he kills my two friends. He hits me in the head, like he throws a knife, and I get it in the head. And uh, we did that four <laughs> or five times, and I I felt like an all star. I mean, everyone everyone stopped and like looked, and they're like, because you know the people he was working with like knew that story, and they were like so happy that I was there doing it you know and so they were all psyched um but tragically in show business that scene got cut that got cut so the so the so Uh. the scene that i i that stayed in is where i actually shoot one of his friends there i'm up on the castle wall and then they're trying to get into the castle and his friend is like with him and he's like you know i'll run up to the castle so he runs up to the castle and i shoot them i shoot him and yeah, you and bet. so there, mm-hmm. so there is like a two-second cut scene where I shoot him, and then another one where it like the camera zooms around me. So I made it in. I've got yay. You know, <laughs> you, know you should find that still frame and then laser burn it into the back of. All oh, you your don't guitars. think I have? I don't have that poster <laughs> in my shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, it was it was definitely the most random guitar maker story. That you'll ever hear mm. um but jason i think this i think this proves my theory that that violin luthiers may be fancier <laughs> guitar luthiers are cooler they got swagger yeah you, know, you can like play yeah you guys have and stuff. give more fun um and but like total it's it's jason is just as intense as he looks about his work and about other people um you know, when we're eating dinner with him, like at the house where they were staying, it was very clear that what that me being there was not an exception. Everyone had a very similar story. You know, I was I played cool. hockey in Newfoundland and tried going pro and didn't, and then happened to run across, you know, Jason, and now I'm his personal assistant and I travel around with him. I, you oh know, goodness. Eddie and, you know, is like, he's followed me on Instagram and liked my video skills. And now he travels with him and takes all of his video. Like that was, that was like to a T. And then yeah. there was, there was another, you know, there was something else that happened during that, the filming that really showed, um, you know, his, his personal connection. And that's, it's a story probably too personal to share, but it really, it was, it that's was okay. really it was very touching it was one of those things where it was like hey any sort of like you know maybe he's just 
it's just pretense or you just being polite mm -hmm. just was just obliterated it was like he he is just as big a human being as he is like a you know as a person in stature it was it was really awesome that was washed away for you so he's not just a heartthrob he's not just a pretty face <laughs> well and and here we are making instruments that are going to travel down through the centuries human after yeah. human after we're gone and you made the sort of connection that that we dream about, you know, and not because Jason's famous, because he's that guy, you know, and that's, that's great. The, the greatest thing in the world is finding someone or getting feedback mm -hmm. from someone mm -hmm. who has made your instrument yeah. so much part of their life that you have a connection greater than the interpersonal. Um, yes. That sounds like you had a really fun one. Oh yeah yeah he dragged he dragged the guitar around to all the scenes he was filming so he could play play in between his takes and stuff it was just like it was just awesome it's and the, you said it just right is like the connection that we get with people who play these things makes us part of a story bigger than ourselves and if we can get out of our own way and let that happen then it's this big beautiful thing that you don't get caught up in well, I'd like to say, Jason Momoa, I want a shirtless hug. <laughs> yeah, I'll pu I'll put in a good word for you. I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll tell him of your your attractive manliness. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. And Thanks. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> oh man, this has been so much fun, man. Th I'm so, so glad. Fun. Yeah, it's super this. fun. Yeah, let's yeah, thank let's you. do it again like this afternoon. Have some more coffee. Okay. We'll, we'll do right. Excellent. <laughs> clearing my schedule. We're going to make it happen. Yeah, cool. Um, you're lovely to talk to. Thank you, Yeah, Matt you guys Ike. too. Thank you very much. And that's Mule. I'm sorry. Mule Resonators? Yep. Is that .com? Yeah, MuleResophonic.com. MuleResophonic.com. Thanks Yeah, one again. of those made-up words. Yeah. <laughs> Have a great day, man. Yeah, you guys too. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Omo. Omo is produced by Rosie DeLoach, Chris Jacoby, and Jerry Lynn. Music is by Invoke Sound. This episode is edited by Mitch Mooring. Like the show? You can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at Omo Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us with your thoughts, questions, or ideas at mail at omopod.com. <laughs>